Welcome to Zane's World. I'm Zane Lamprey. You are? Joined by Mel Lamprey. That's me. You know, do you have a trouble sometimes? Do you have a trouble sometimes? Do I have a trouble? Do you have a trouble sometimes when, like, you have to say Mel Lamprey and it kind of turns into one word and you have to say, like, hi, I'm Mel Lamprey? No, because I so rarely say that. Um, how about... Maybe it happens once a year I say that. So when I'm on the phone, I have to say, this is Zane, but then... When you have a Z name, you realize that the S in the is is a, is a Z as well. Mm-hmm. So, so if like, I'm like, this is Zane, they're like, Ain? No, yeah. this is Ain. Yeah. Is, is Sam? So do you have the same thing when you say, I'm Mel? No, because I never say the two names together. I just never, no, no, when you say, I'm Mel. Oh. See? It's these puzzling things that we'll no, answer today. I on would the podcast. never say that. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think of like okay, any time I would say that. Who's Mel? I'm Mel. I got whatever. Who cares? Anyway, so um, our guest today is Paul Ollinger, and this guy, this guy is amazing. And uh, you'll you'll hear that my interview with him in in a few minutes. Um, he started off at Facebook when there were 250 employees. There are now around 35,000 employees um, in the Silicon Valley. So he did work and train there. Like when he went to employee orientation, yeah. He, uh, the guy who led it was Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, wow. So that's how small the company was at the time. Obviously, at some I point. I worked there. Yeah. Um, and he was there for four years. And then you'll hear, again, you'll hear a story. And he basically said he was done. He got his uh, MBA, his master in, in, in business. From what? Dartmouth, mm. Ivy League. And then he... Uh, should have gone Ivy League. You should have gone Ivy League. I know. You're not proud of San Diego State? Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> so Erica is is currently in she usually joins us here. She is still in Denver. That's crazy. I hope she had so much fun today and I hope she like gathered me like ideas and stuff. What do you mean? Because she's at the convention. Yeah. So Yeah. So we were at the outdoor retailer show in Denver. That is where every brand in the business of outdoor retailer, like Adventure, mm-hmm. are, are there to either have a booth or meet people or, you know. Uh, we, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's Insane. It's huge. It's huge. Like beyond huge. So when they have like like places like uh, uh, North Face and Patagonia and Thule and just like all these brands. Everybody, they Body build Glove, Otterbox. I mean, yeah. brands... You've, yeah, like name brands that you may recognize, yeah. but every brand that's possible is on one floor. Yeah, all brand new brands yeah. are on another floor. Yeah, and then and then and then our suppliers, suppliers who we met with. So we had our suppliers from overseas suppliers. Yeah, they're on another another floor. And so we, it was great because everyone was there in one room, and that really enabled us to go to Denver instead of going to Asia. So that was kind of nice as well. And we got to just make some great friends. And you know, we we talked to a bunch of so Wanderer. I think it's W-A-N-D-R. They have a bag currently on Kickstarter. It's a fantastic bag. Mm-hmm. And then we also talked to Nomadic, who mm-hmm. also have launched several bags on Kickstarter. They had booths there. Um, they were fantastic, super great. It's nice because, like, you are competition, mm-hmm. I guess, but um, everyone has their own little niche. Mm-hmm. And everyone's really supportive of each other. So it's a really fun community. It's, it's kind of like the retail, uh, the clothing apparel version of the way craft breweries are with each other. Mm. Like they don't see each other as competitors. They see each other as like, you know, we're in this together. We, you know, we're all sort of doing the same thing, even though they are competitors. That's nice of you. I kind of feel like I was walking around like, huh, I'll get you. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's some of that, right? You go there to be inspired by them as well, but. Maybe I was just thinking about that with all the dogs that were walking around. 
Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to have a booth next year and we are going to have our adventure beer, which we'll be talking about at some point. We'll be have our adventure ecto, which are our, our outings and excursions. Uh, another p- part, part of the company that's coming. And then also um, we're going to have, this is, I think the big news is we're going to have Bodhi in the booth. <laughs> How are you going to get on there? I don't know. It depends. It depends. Depends on where we're driving from. So it was fantastic. Uh, we spent some time in Boulder. We have a buddy who um, owns a, a place called the Bitter Bar, uh, James Lee. Uh, he's fantastic. And we went to his place and drank. <laughs> Which is which is unique for us, uh, and then we spent the rest of the time hiking. If you followed us on our, our Instagram well, and you stories, had like ten ice creams. Well, okay, let me talk about this. So there's a place. <laughs> there's a place we went to. This place called Chautauqua Park in Boulder, and how? Okay, so the the guy who was the bartender who's there at explain it. Explain it for people. It's an amazing park on one side of Boulder, but mm-hmm. not like park like you're thinking, where yeah. like you can take a run around it, you know, and yell at your friend from across it. So big open we're green space. Like like miles and miles of hiking. Yeah. Like up into places that you can't even see. Yeah. But also it has like a huge park that you would like take your kids and run around. Frisbee. Yeah, that kind yeah. of park. Throw the ball around, but huge. So historically, they have 99 small cabins on it yeah. that were from the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, from people using it as a camp to teach teachers how to teach. Yeah. It was like a place where teachers would, could go uh, did like during the six, summer yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, they did like, like a six-week retreat and were taught how to teach kids music and mathematics and all that kind of stuff. But it reminded us of, if you've seen uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, when she goes when away. When she goes like, to and camp. And then also like Dirty Dancing. And Dirty Dancing. It's so camp. cool. Yeah. And there's like a dining hall. Yep. It's so bad. There's a general store yeah. that, where you can get Auditorium, ice Auditorium where they probably do like an end-of-the-year pageant or something. I think Melissa Etheridge is performing there. And they probably do pageants. They probably do pageants. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then there's like a community area where yeah. you like play shuffleboard and stuff. It's just beautiful. And so the bartender, we went in there. We're like, do we need to be dressed up? Because people were dressed up. And we had just gotten done with a hike. And so we were like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go get a beer. Mm-hmm. And and so we talked to the bartender. And he's like, I lived here for nine years and didn't even know this but place just, existed. How is that possible? I don't know how it's possible. How is that possible? Like, I don't know. Like, he had to have been, like, God bless his soul, like, stoned out of his mind for seven years. <laughs> that And never left, like, like, a bubble. Yeah. Like, he was in his dark basement smoking weed. Yeah. And then was like, oh, I should get a job bartending. And then goes and that and, was the one that like, came up. finds in the paper or something. Yeah. yeah. It's... Um, so it was cool. And so they have also like this general store, which has homemade mint chocolate chip ice cream. And you can, um, you know, get it after a hike because I think you deserve it. If they have it still, they sell out of it. Yeah. So uh, we did some amazing hikes there. Um, if you go there, do the arches, Royal Arches. Ro- Royal Arch. Royal Arch. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was a pretty intense hike. You went, you went from like about 5,400 feet to about 6,900. It's funny though, is when I reached out to the chicks that hike, Boulder, the girls. Yeah. um, And I had said, like, hey, can you like point me to a moderate hike? Do not tell me they said Royal Arch. Because I just had back surgery. Otherwise, I would normally say strenuous. Yeah. And that was one of their suggestions was Royal Arch as a moderate hike. What? Dude, these girls are badasses. So much of that hike was like, uh, stairs, giant steps yeah. on rocks, giant uneven stairs. Yeah, yeah. Like and and, and big strides. Like it wasn't like little no, steps. No, no. It was like the kind of step that you take 
people, I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but you like will put your leg up and then you push both hands off knee. of the knee yeah. to get yourself it's up. Like, it's like a box jump, if anyone knows. <laughs> yeah. It's like three times a normal stare. Where like you get into the hike and you're just like, why the fuck do I do this? I hate this stupid hike. But when you're done, you're like, yeah, I'm so glad you totally. did that. Totally. All right. We're going to go to this interview and then we're going to come back and just talk real quick about our Rocky Mountain adventure. So this is Paul Ollinger. Fantastic guy. Uh, check this out. Let's give it up for True Car beep, beep. for supporting this episode of Zane's World with True Car. Beep, beep. 60 seconds is all you'll need to get an offer for your car Vroom. in the amount it takes you to... <laughs> Amount of time it takes you to brush your teeth, pet your multiple cats, or do a few sit-ups, you can get a true cash offer. But best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or even your home. Go to True Car and simply enter in your license plate number and watch how your car's (laughs) details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate true cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring in your car. (laughs) and they'll check it out with you together you can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises then simply leave with your check or trading your car for a a new ride you guys are both (laughs) so when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car check out true car today true cash offer not available in all areas Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Prepare to get stunned. The Steve Austin Show is back and better than ever. And I've been kicking his ass, kicked out of the pile driver. You, it's time to go home. With new exciting episodes featuring tales from his new life, unbelievable past interviews, and talks to pro wrestling pals, you name it, Steve's on it. You're a hell of a damn wrestler. Download new episodes of The Steve Austin Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome back to Zane's World. We've built you up. Quite a bunch. Well, when you, when you, now, I deserve it. We were trying to figure out if you're going to roll up in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, <laughs> and I didn't see where you parked it because there's trees. I'm in a rented GMC, and I'm nice. staying at the uh, courtyard nice. by Marriott. All right, well, that's not Olympic. That's not show off. Some people stay at the regular Marriott. So, so your 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 story is is fantastic, and I'm, I'm in complete disclosure. Disclosure: you and I, you 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 got here about 40 minutes ago. We did, and you and I have just been sitting here shooting the shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I, so let's try to recreate that. <laughs> can, can we, can we, uh, create spontaneity? Yes, exactly. Yes. Now I think I said, what did you, you said, and then we'll go back to what I said. So what was your undergraduate degree in? Business and economics. Okay. And then you went on to get your, your MBA. Just wanted to diversify, you know? You were just, or you, were you having fun in college? Were you afraid of the real world? Is that's why you? No, I worked for four years in between. Oh, did you? Yeah. You, most Almost all top business schools require at least two years of work between undergrad and starting your business school program. Wow, these days, it's amazing how much sense that actually makes. It makes why like what are you going to know three months after you graduate from no. college? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, 
go work, go get your ass kicked, and you'll be grateful exactly right. to go back to business school. And I'm, I was thrilled to go back to business school. And I, I knew what I wanted when I went back there. I learned a whole bunch and discovered a lot of things. What did you do in the four years off? I worked for one year in Austin, Texas, selling wine okay. as a um, as part of the Gallo development, the management development program. Sure. Sold wine to grocery stores and convenience stores. That's a really good – that is, in, in the industry, known as one of the best uh, sales training programs. It, it is. And the thing I learned uh, – most important thing I learned was that you got to get your ass out of bed every morning and go work. It's such a tough thing. You, you know, there, I, I'll make a generalization, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, there's, there's maybe two kinds of jobs. There's the jobs where you're accountable to someone else, mm-hmm. and then there are ones that you're accountable to yourself. The ones where you're kind of – everyone thinks that they want to work for themselves, but when you wake up and you want to stay in bed, and you know what I mean? Like, you're having a yeah, conversation with yeah. your boss who is yourself. It gets yeah. tough. Or people think they want to work for themselves so they can have better hours, but you're going to work a lot more – yeah, if you're working for yourself, I don't have trouble getting out of bed. I mean, I'm I'm I wake up ready to go, and I'm I mean, it's not because it's not because I want to make you know I just I just want to I just want to work I just want to accomplish stuff I uh-huh. want I want to create, um, and I'm as hungry today for different things as I was when I was 32. So when you were uh, so you were at at Facebook when there was about 250 people, correct. Uh, when you, you were there for four years, a little more, but yeah. And when you left, what was the size of the company at that point? Oh, um, a single digit thousands, maybe 5,000 people. Okay. But something like meteoric growth that they're like growing by like three to four people per day uh, or more. I mean, it's, you know, when I started my orientation class, which would have been everybody who started that month was probably, I don't know, 15 people. Mm-hmm. We were in a conference room and, and Zuck was still doing new new employee orientation. Oh, my God. And um, I made him laugh with a joke about um, means, medians, and modes. Don't ask me to recreate. <laughs> don't ask me to recreate was the that magic. The, was that the joke? <laughs> no. No. It's what we were talking about. It, anyway, so so he was – it was still – you know, he, he, he wasn't able to continue doing that for very much longer. But – it was a very small company. When I started, we had about 25 million monthly unique users. And when I left, it was, I think, about a billion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's enormous growth in four years. Yeah. And the company itself was, it was just, it was a rocket ship every day. And were you happy? Let, let me let me rephrase. Let me let me ask something first. Yes. You were uh, the head of sales for West Coast? For the West Coast sales team, yes. Okay. And what did that mean? So, Facebook makes its money by selling advertising mm-hmm. and those advertisers that, and we had two sales teams at the time. And, um, part of the growth was trying to figure out how do we go to market to sell our products to anybody from a mom and pop, uh, you know, corner store selling candles to Nike and the film studios. Mm-hmm. So at the time we assigned salespeople geographically so the West Coast is broadly speaking Seattle to San Diego, as far east as uh, let's say Phoenix okay. and Denver, and so the the our team would go out and we'd call on uh, Microsoft and T-Mobile in Seattle, Nike in like, like cold call or have have meetings well, set up. You know when you're when you're when you're growing at the rate of a Facebook, uh, and I worked at Yahoo prior. 
you it's not really cold calling because you're not walking in saying oh i'm you know i'm joe and i'm yeah. from the you know the mop brush company can i you know can i replace all the what mop kind of, brushes what kind, of, what kind of brushes are they mop, mop you know with a fuller mop brush or whatever you know you're not you're not ringing doorbells no what i'm interested is are they like are they mohair i mean is, is it synthetic now i'm interested so i want no, to i want to know saying, more about these what mops. i'm saying is no I, I don't know anything about the mops i'm trying to say, I'm well, trying why, to say why yourself, you just sold me a mop no. now I don't, you don't even know you're killing i'm me. comparing the way you're such a good salesman that's I'm, the point i'm calling I'm, what i'm saying is we're not everyone knew we're, we're not we were, just yeah. ringing doorbells yeah. cold it's like hey and a lot of the people that on our, on our team were industry veterans who had relationships and and knew the people who the ad agency that bought media on behalf of Microsoft, let's say, and you call up your buddy Got Jim it. who yeah. runs the media team and said, hey, I want to come up and meet with your team and talk to you about Facebook. And you'd call the VP of marketing at um, – uh, say Visa in up in up in the Bay Area, and you'd say, "Hey, I started at Facebook, and you know I'm going to come up to San Francisco, have some meetings. Would Got you it. like to sit down?" Got it. And these people are always marketers are are generally always curious to say what's happening next in technology. Right. You know they, that's their job is to figure out where are the consumers spending their time as they migrate away from everybody on the planet watching TV at the same time. So what about that? Didn't you like? I very much like the process of of working with marketers to to create campaigns. Mm-hmm. What was difficult, and, and I did that at a company called Launch.com, which was a music website back for, starting in 1997. I did that for four years, and then we got bought by Yahoo at the bottom of the dot-com bubble. Um, and then I did it at Yahoo for four years, and I was always very proud to be a part of those companies, and I was very proud to be a part of Facebook. Mm-hmm. What was challenging is that Facebook was changing the world, including – the way that publishers, digital publishers, related to marketers. Facebook said no a lot. Marketers said, hey, we want to do a big homepage takeover where the screen freezes and like the Hulk jumps out of your homepage because there's a new Warner Brothers Hulk movie and they'll pay us a million dollars. And and Facebook said, no, that's a terrible user experience. There's no way we're going to let you do that. Well, that was considered to be an extraordinarily arrogant reply to not bend yourself to the will of money of money yeah right and mark said no over and over and over and and that was that was a a lot of marketing people didn't like to hear no mm-hmm. they're the people with the dough mm-hmm. the golden rule the people with the gold make the rules right mm-hmm. yeah and so over time there were the, the revolutionary nature of the facebook platform was also a very difficult sale. And we didn't have terribly advanced advertising products at the time. Back in 2010, 2011, all we sold were fans. Recall that, that fa- oh, like right. fans and followers was yeah. a brand new concept. Yeah. Marketers were like, well, what the hell does that do? How does that help me sell more cars? And we had clicks. And they didn't, we weren't able to track our clicks. Marketers like sight, sound, and motion. They want to see video. They want to see graphics. They want to see fireworks on the page around their product. And what, what years are these? This is 2007 to 2000, late 2011 was when I was at the company. And, and we didn't have any of that stuff. We didn't even have good tracking technology, which is so ironic given what's going on in the discussions around Facebook today in the world. But. Today, Facebook makes some of the most effective and revolutionary advertising products in the world. We didn't have those at the time. Mm -hmm. Today, you can run video to a tiny segment of people 
and uh, you know reach only the people that not just the target consumers uh, in a certain geography, but you can target them and and not run your ad in front of people who've already bought your product. Like the efficiency, you some people don't realize how big of an effect. How 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 much it's changed what you see online. When's the last time you saw a Tampax ad on on the internet? Oh yeah, like twenty years ago, they just ran run of site ads, right? And it meant that everybody saw your ad, whether you sold uh, jockey shorts or or, or um, feminine hygiene products. Yeah. Well, that's wasting half the advertisers' money. Today, Facebook the 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 upside of uh, of of all this data that Facebook has about you is that you're seeing products that you're very likely to be interested in. To jump ahead many years, yes, you're now doing stand up, correct? Because I heard you talking about these things in your in your act. Yeah. So whereas right now you are you're giving us the information, in when you do your stand up, you have a comedic view to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So, so it's 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 interesting to meet. I, I mean, I would say that you and I are similar in, in that we both uh, have heads for business mm-hmm. and then we also have heads for comedy. That's, that's, I don't know. I don't know many people that are sort of wired like that. There are a bunch, but there's not a lot. There's, there's, you know, I, I consider myself to, Oh, look, I'm an Ivy league MBA and I have, you know, a decent 45 minutes of comedy. It's like how many people actually out there actually have it? Well, there's more than you might think. There's, I know, I know a couple there's lo- more that you might think, but the, but the average person, true. you know what I mean? Like there's, because you're, you're in it. There's a couple of lawyers that there's, there's a whole bunch of Ivy league grads. There's, um, uh, you know, uh, former, former consultants and, and MBA. So there's a lot of folks out there doing it, but it's, um, yeah, it's not super common. And of all the people that worked at Facebook, I think I'm the only one that, uh, does comedy full time. And, and so you, uh, I, I think this is on your website where you saw a poster at, at Facebook Correct. that said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Yeah. And so you're like, quit. Well, <laughs> you know, so that, that, that is, um, it is true that that there's all these motivational posters around mm-hmm. Facebook that are thought provoking, and I did, I did, uh, I, I I always would see that and think in the back of my mind, I'd be doing comedy if I weren't afraid. Right. I were afraid of nothing. Right. But even after I left Facebook and had money in the bank, thanks to um, Facebook, my very good luck to be a part of Facebook <laughs> yeah. as an early employee, um, it still took me a few years to to really sack up and and go do comedy because I was afraid of failing. I had done comedy for two years before Facebook in between Yahoo and Facebook. And, and I did it for two years and I was okay and I was getting better, but I had just gotten engaged and I wasn't ready to commit to, you know, an indefinite amount of time, but a decade or more Mm -hmm. learning how to be a comedian as, as a married guy, I, I knew my market value and I thought, you know, I need to go back and get a job. And that's how I ended up at Facebook. And I, and again, this was when Facebook was a tiny company. I didn't have, I had no idea how big it was going to get. You know, so to, again, to put it in perspective for people listening there, there were about 250 when you started. Employees. Employees. Yes. Uh, right now, this is actually of December, 2018, mm. over 35,000. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. And, <laughs> and, and here's where the, the weird stats are like, I, I guess that when they had their IPO, uh, a thousand of, of them, a thousand people became millionaires, I guess, overnight. That number sounds low. It sounds like, and, and yeah. did, so 
was it up in Palo Alto, Menlo Park? Or? They were they, uh, the first headquarters were in Palo Alto, okay. and then they are now headquartered in Menlo Park. Okay, Palo Alto, that brick building on the corner there. Well, there they had a several different offices. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah, in the kind of the downtown part of Palo. Alto. And so, where did you live? I lived in uh, L.A. I lived here. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. I lived since college. I moved. I lived in New York twice, L.A. twice, and San Francisco, and. Uh, I moved back to L.A. the second time because I had the opportunity to start doing comedy out here at the Improvs in Orange County. And and I did that for two years. And then I joined Facebook as a salesperson and got promoted a couple of times to run the uh, – eventually running the West Coast sales team. And eventually they said, we we want you to be in, in up at headquarters. Uh. And that was sort of the – you know, I was already four years in and did I want to commit to another three or four as part of the company. And at the time, my mom was sick back in Atlanta and my wife was on bed rest and I was just, I was kind of burned out and I was like, I think, I think I'm going to go home and put down roots in Atlanta where mm-hmm. I grew up. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I have a friend who has a house up in, in, uh, in Menlo park. Yeah. And it's a, it's a piece of shit. Uh, and <laughs> a it's three and, and a half million dollar piece of shit. Four and a half. Yeah. Nice. It's I think because it's huge. It's about 1600 square feet uh-huh. and it's, <laughs> and it's just amazing. Now someone uh, now, so you living in Atlanta, yeah. is that one of the, the places that, that money's con- cause I was just in Boulder, Yeah. you know, and everywhere I go, I'm just, I'm, I'm clicking on Zillow. Like sure. what, what, do, what, what do people pay to live here? And Boulder's expensive. Boulder's real expensive and it's, and it's gorgeous. I mean, this is this is a very interesting and very relevant topic to me. So I, w- I actually went back to the neighborhood where we lived in Westwood here near Rancho Park. Okay. Where my wife and I and two babies at the time lived in a 1,600 square foot small house. Mm-hmm. Very cute, but small. And, and we loved our neighbors and it was a very cute street. And uh, that house, they said, is now worth $2 million, mm-hmm. right? We sold it for probably $1 million eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's how quickly real estate is appreciated in Los Angeles. If you so there's homeless people crawling all over the neighborhood, but it's a two million dollar house. But the and it's just I guess it's this whole thing where they're just you know what do they always say like the old guys say that they're not making more land. They're, you know what I mean? They're not, but it seems to be that you know the last since the recession, it's just been one of the most incredible appreciations. But the, the reason and, and and just be clear that it cannot keep up at the same rate. It can either plateau or fall. I, I mean, at a certain point, jobs have to pay that much more to be able to keep up with the cost of housing. Right. And at a certain point, people are going to, the, the employers are going to be like, screw this. We're going to open up, you know, operations in Nevada yeah. and Atlanta yeah. and all these places. I mean, that, and, and that's, that's actually good for the country to spread those workers all over. Um, Atlanta has a meaningful presence for Google and Amazon, and a lot of companies. And what's happening real estate wise in Atlanta last five it's years? A, it's appreciated significantly also. Yeah. But the, 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 the point that you were making about clicking on Zillow, I always, this was one of the ways that my wife and I made our decision to go back to Atlanta or, or, or probably more accurately, the way I tricked her into moving back. Oh, I'd nice. Say, I said, I'd say, okay, honey, here's the house that we live in for two, for, you know, here's yeah. what we can afford for, yeah. for two million in, in LA. Here's what we can get for two million in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's three or four times as big. Is it Holyfield's uh, house? No, no, have you, no. Have you seen that by the way? I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so amazing. it's pretty incredible. So amazing. Um, but the but what I learned we and we did buy we bought a big ass house in Atlanta because that's what you do because mm-hmm. you want to have a big house and look at look at me I made it and all this stuff and then you learn that hey four people don't need six thousand square feet to live in right it's just it's just an absurdly large amount of space I love it I'll take it but you don't think about that stuff you don't think about how 
how much it costs to run the air conditioning 24 hours a day yeah. from oh in, in Atlanta from too, by the May first yeah, yeah, yeah. to September 29th. Yeah, right, right. And 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 you don't think about you know when the pool filter blows up how how annoying that's going to be and how much it costs until you actually go through it. And so own and I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm massively, massively fortunate. It's just that one of the things I want to talk about on the podcast, and I know we'll get to it about my podcast, mm. is that money plays tricks on our heads. Mm-hmm. And we we have these these rules written on our head that tell us we're gonna, when we do make some money, we're going to go do these things because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And until you make the same mistakes that people have always told you, possessions end up owning you, things like that. You go and you stub your toe and you go, oh, this is why I've always heard that thing. Like, don't buy more house than you need. Don't, you know, don't buy a boat, you know, all these kinds yeah, right. of don't things. Buy a boat. There's a reason. Don't buy, don't buy a racehorse is also in there too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, uh, that hasn't been my, uh, don't buy a pony for your daughter is the one I'm fighting. <laughs> Actually, we're not fighting it, but it's, it's always been sort of there in the background. So, so those kinds of lessons, like, like salivating over square footage is probably um, done most by people who haven't lived in giant houses before. We were driving from Boulder yesterday to yeah. the airport in Denver. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, there are massive houses in Boulder, but they don't have to be massive to be expensive. Just because no, of the they land don't. That's That's- but as you get closer to the airport, so you're driving pretty much due east, and the closer you get to the airport the more land you see and the bigger the houses yeah. get. And we're driving out just like like and it's probably it's you know a version of yours, like a six or seven thousand square foot house in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. neighborhoods, giant neighborhoods full of them. That yeah. and, and just and then if it's not a neighborhood, there's no field. It's a field that's now has, has broken ground, is about to become another one. Yeah. So, it's so funny. One of them uh we saw the ad and this is getting right near the airport. If anyone's ever been to Denver Airport, it's forty minutes outside of Denver. <laughs> yeah. It's in the middle of nowhere, yeah. like horrible in a snowstorm. Um it'd be like driving through the shining or something like that. But there was this thing called like review, like it was like um, it was a new neighborhood they were building. Yeah. But right now it's just dirt. It was like it was exactly this. It was uh, Back to the Future. He went back in time with the very oh, yeah, first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lions Estates, mm-hmm. all there were were the two big stone things on either side of the road. Yeah. It said you know coming soon. That's funny. It was that. Yeah. And the poster said like you know uh, a real hometown. And I'm just like, first of all, yeah, it doesn't, it's like, what does that even mean? Like, like it's, it's going from dirt and in a year you're going to turn it into a real hometown. That sounds like code for some, you know, like alt-right, you know, all white neighborhood, like like celebration Florida where it's like. Wink, yeah, wink. Yeah, you know yeah, what right. I'm talking about? This yeah. is where good people live. Yeah, you know what exactly, we're saying? Exactly. Right. <laughs> good Christian folk. Yeah, like it gets Augusta. You know what we mean. <laughs> so so you now are, are there in Atlanta. Yes. Which is interesting because you are you're you're basically like you don't have an office there other than in your giant house you probably have three. Over my garage. Okay. Yeah. And so that is just where you cho- chose to hang your hat, right? I that's mean, that's correct. So it didn't really matter like where you where you moved to. Right. It didn't, you know, I, I didn't leave Facebook until, uh, I don't know, nine months in Atlanta. So that wasn't. Oh, part you were still. Of, I was still with Facebook before, before I left. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but, but that didn't. Did they hurt. have an office in Atlanta? We, they, they do. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Um, and it, that wasn't part of the calculation. I left LA without a plan. I left Facebook without a plan mm-hmm. uh, a few months later. And how do you feel about that? Uh, you know, I I don't have a lot of regrets about the fact that I left Facebook, 
if I knew now what if I knew then what I know now, I would have stuck around a lot longer. Surely, if only well, for sure. financial reasons. With yeah. but 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 I don't I don't I don't because it was it was fuck you money at some point. Yeah, yeah. well, there's it, and and the definition of fuck you money is that eventually you're gonna. You're gonna say fuck you. Yeah, by right. the way, it's not that you can; it's yeah. that you will. Right. And so I would have done that at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. My regret is that I didn't leave with a plan, and that I didn't leave as gracefully as I could have. Um, Did you say fuck you? Not, <laughs> not exactly, but but in so many words, and I was just like, I'm out of here, you know, kind of like Doug from the state. <laughs> you threw your papers in the I was air. Like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so that's a reference for everybody who was uh, 20 in 1992. <laughs> yeah. So so I, I would have left Facebook eventually. Yeah. I, I just would have liked to have had to understood like that I needed to have something to go to and go pursue because the one th- another one of the lessons I learned is that when you leave a job, you you're leaving a lot of great relationships behind. You're leaving a lot of benefits, and I'm not just talking about your health benefits. Mm-hmm. The benefits of being a part of a team, the benefits of having great, fun, intelligent people around you, the benefits of having being a ch- being accountable to being others, accountable to others, being accountable to yourself, mm-hmm. having big problems to work on that give you a sense of satisfaction, even if they're super stressful to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I didn't leave with a plan and. I, you know, I goofed around for a couple of years. I even went back to work and I did that for a year working for a, a small software company. And, and I did that and I was like, this isn't what I want to do. And it, and it took that experience and I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do? And this time I'm going to leave with a plan. And I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out stand up comedy and writing again. It's, it's, it, it just feels like right brain, left brain, that these two sides <laughs> of your head are, have been having, as far as I can tell, been having a fight for, for many years, yeah. right? Yeah, probably. And so, and, and one of them won out, right? Which is, which is interesting because we've, we've been sitting here talking for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. and we haven't even touched on the fact that you're a comedian. Yeah. Like, right. So we're, yeah. we're just, we're, these are two business guys, yeah. right. Having conversations about, about business. Yeah. And there's also, you know, it's, it's either more of us or less of us because part of being a comedian is, is, is the business side of it. It's not just going up and telling jokes. It's, you know, it's yes. like everything, everything business related and yes. writing and all that kind of stuff as well. But it's just kind of funny that that's where, because this, it's, it's incredibly interesting to hear what you chose to walk away from. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I fully considered what I was walking away from. I didn't know I didn't know what I was giving up when I gave up working in the corporate world. But but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and 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 when we how old are you? 50. 50. Okay. I'm 47. What's that? I look what's that? Uh, 40? Thank you so much. You're not Show 47. to you. It's so Thank you. <laughs> is that is that life when you get to our age, yeah. you just realize Whoa, that was fast. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And and so I'm fully aware that this is not going to last forever. I am fully aware of that it, every it, it, every single day. It is. Oh, oh, you mean what do you mean life? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. My dad was was dead at 51. Ugh. You know, his dad, I think maybe 55. Yeah. So I'm shooting for. Oh shit! I've already passed it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where where and I, I I learned by listening to some of your 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 podcasts, you know, great lessons. But like like you say in your in your in your podcast, like it's not a podcast about how to you know what stocks to pick or mm-hmm. how to get rich. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just the mindset and some people that have gone through it. Yeah. Um, these these are by the way you talk about that and the luxuries of um. You know, or the, the the right brain, left brain stuff. I think one of the reasons why I'm spending so much time asking questions about what it all means now is because I've I've fulfilled the the, the not not entirely, 
I've mostly fulfilled the the logistical obligations of what it's going to take to raise my family. Mm-hmm. Right when you when you've got your retirement paid for mm-hmm. and your kids' college paid for, you have time to ask bigger questions. You know, if my kids five twenty nines weren't funded, I'd be like, all right, I got to go. I got I got to spend my energy focused on earning. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where the two, the two brains and later in life, I see more and more of our peers starting to ask these questions and really explore those things. But it's kind of a, it's, it's a luxury to do that. Mm -hmm. And I just want to acknowledge that, that, that like that if you don't, if if you got to put food on the table, you don't have a lot of time to ask the big questions. So do you think that you got to a point where you knew that like you could, you should walk away if you, if, if walking away was going to make you happy and by walking away, I mean like, did you, okay. So did you walk in your bio? It's Mm -hmm. really, it's put really succinctly, Mm -hmm. but in reality, was it you leaving and then going to do comedy or you like, I'm leaving to do comedy? No, it was like, I left to leave. Got it. And then. I went through this process of learning what it meant to not have a sexy corporate title next to your name when somebody asked you what you do. Mm-hmm. I sort of – And what do you say now? Well, uh, let me tell you a story real quick sure. and I'll tell you what I say now. You can make it a long story. I'll make it a long story. It's going to be a really long <laughs> story. Fine. I'll be you right guys back. Might, you guys go get a I'll be right back. Just milk. keep going. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so in that process, a couple of years after I – you know, I, you, you do the normal things. You get back in shape. You reconnect with some friends. You travel a little bit. And then you go, okay, well, what's, well, what now? What do I do now? And so I started doing – so I was writing a blog and I was learning how to write by doing this blog, although I didn't really conch- – I thought I was already a great writer, super clever. And one night we went out to dinner. My wife and I went out to dinner with um, parents from our kid's school. And I knew the dad was a doctor. And I said, so what kind of medicine do you practice? And he said, uh, I'm a uh, pediatric uh, uh, oncologist and surgeon and I'm currently doing – research using nanofibers to help slow the spread of cancer in the brains of infants. Hmm. What do you do? <laughs> God, I would hate and I was for like, someone to say that to and me. And I was like, oh, I, what do I do? I'm, I, don't, I don't even know what I do. I was like, what, I'm a blogger? I guess I'm a blogger. <laughs> and I felt well, like by the such way, an asshole. But, but it would be so funny if you didn't tell me any of your backstory. Yeah. Even Ivy League MBA yeah, worked yeah. at the most uh, uh, influential company to hit the planet. Like I think, you know, it's it, funny, but if you just said I'm a blogger and left it at that, that would yeah, be, that would be like it, this internal joke that you would. That's <laughs> that right. Just let, just later. watch the guy process. And he's like, how did I get <laughs> roped into dinner with this loser? Yeah. But I'm thinking about starting a vlog. Yep. So, uh, you know what I mean? I'm branching out. Yeah. So, I mean like, so, so I, re- I realized in that moment that having a good answer to the question, what do you do is, is, is a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know, is to, to be able, and I had always had a good one. And I was always like, I'm going to, I'm going to get my MBA. I work at Yahoo. I work at Facebook. Mm -hmm. And and, and I was always excited to report, if not a little overly excited. To answer the question. Yeah. Yeah. To tell people that I was doing great. Yeah. And even though I had done great, not having an answer to the question at the current time means like, oh, so what do I, what, so what are you doing now, Paul? Uh, I consult. Yeah, who do you consult? Check out, my, check out my biceps. Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't <laughs> consult anybody. So you're not a consultant, I guess not. Yeah, I guess I'm not a consultant. So like, it's yeah. this really weird process of determining what you stand for when you stop working. But are you like, um, are you on the inside? This is turning into therapy, but it's yeah, good. No, I on love the it. inside, are you 
yeah. is your internal monologue telling you that, or dialogue, telling you that you are a comedian or you're a businessman? Oh, well, th- making that commitment, it was, that's part of the struggle. It's like, well, okay, well, what should I do when I leave? Okay, well, people who make some money in the technology world and then leave, they become angel investors right. or they become advisors. Right. Or board members or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of dabbled in a little of all of that. And I was like, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not committed to any one of these things. Are you, st- so are you not on any boards right now? No. Wow. No, I'm not doing any, any board work. No you, you don't want to. No, I committed when I left that second job, I, I said, I'm going to write every day and I'm going to be a stand up comedian. And that's since then, that's what I've said. And, and it's been, in, in the relatively recent past that I've had really good proof that I'm actually doing those. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's one thing to tell people you've never met that like, you know, Oh yeah, I'm a comedian. Well, what do you do? Well, I, I'm kind of a, no, I go to open mics and they're looking at you and you're like, you're 48, you're going to open mics. Like what, like you don't have a job. But you know, I don't think people understand how long it takes yeah. for a comedian yeah. to get their voice, uh, just uh, learn how to, work a room, like all those things, right material, right material, Mm -hmm. change it, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I went and did, so I did my show three sheets for four seasons, Mm -hmm. which is funny traveling around talking about drinks and stuff like that. And then, and then I started to do drinking made easy for Mark Cuban, uh, for his, uh, network HD net. And, and so I was going to, um, Go around. Uh, I got two tour buses. Yeah. So ambitious. It's ridiculous. This is, it was such, it was just so crazy. I, I got Tommy Lee and Kid Rock's tour buses. Uh-huh. I had 15 guys on one and I had four of us on the other. Uh, bus drivers, you know, whatever. And so we went around and, dur- and during the day we shot the TV show and at night I did the stand up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my guys all worked their, their tails off. Everyone had a great time. Yeah. But I just thought like, they're fans of the show. I, you know, I, I I can go up there and just do my thing, and and they'll just think I'm I'm hilarious because I'm always funny at parties and I'll have a drink in my hand or right. whatever. And when I went up and did the first show, it was a sold out show at the House of Blues uh-huh. in Anaheim at Disney. Oh wow, huge venue! I had a comedian that went on opened up for me, mm-hmm. uh, and my buddy Steve. Who was horrible? Worse, <laughs> worse at the end of the tour, at, at the end of the ninety days than than before. That's how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, so it's crazy. And so I remember this is funny. So I get up there, and the the comedian is bringing me out. The lights are a little up. It's packed. Everyone's hammered. Yeah. And he goes, "When Zane comes out here, you guys might not be fucking talking like you're talking during my fucking set." Yeah. You know, you guys are being a bunch of assholes, especially you guys in the back. All right, let's get them out here. And like, right. that was my intro. Nice. It was horrible. Yeah. And I got out there and the lights were all on. One guy was in the front row who's like one of the, the biggest fans. He's like, I've talked to him on social media and events like, you know, yeah. for the last few years. And he ended up getting kicked out because oh, no. he was too drunk. And like, holy cow. How much time did you do? The first night? Mm-hmm. Dude, you're going to die. Three hours. What? Yep. Because we were having a fun time and yeah. drinking and up whatever and all yeah. this kind of stuff, maybe like two forty-five. Uh-huh. But then we then the other guys came out and we did a few little things yeah. and like I my thing like my what's built into me mm-hmm. is that I just want people to be 
happy. I yeah. want people to be entertained. I yeah. want to, I, and I want them to feel like they they got their money's worth when they when they come to see me. Sure. And if I go out there for forty minutes, then you know. And again, I was drinking, but like, and I had done my my show. I did a, a mini tour just to like mm-hmm. work out the material mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then um, I just remember getting off stage, just like exhausted and then i had to go do the step and repeat because i wanted to shake yeah, hands yeah. with everybody and yeah. get a picture and when i that whole thing was like five hours wow and so i started pairing the whole thing back and mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. that that less is more like yeah. I, my buddy who was open for us uh, this comedian mark ryan he's just like hey if you go to a movie like what's too long like two hours you know right a comedy is probably 90 minutes yep. like yeah and that is like tight you know what i mean yeah. like don't feel like you need to give them 90 minutes mm-hmm. like you could go out there and do a solid 40 and they would be just as happy. And yeah. I just had to sort of learn that whole thing. It was tough. Wow. Thank you to people listening who went to see one of my early shows. <laughs> I, I started in L.A., then went headed west. Um, you know, West Venus, from L.A.? Yeah. Well, well, then I made a U-turn. Thanks, man. Thanks. No, hold on. Well, I, I'm facing I you. I to Culver City. Well, no, because I'm facing you. If I spin around, it's your, it's oh, your yes. west. My it's west. My, my right. east. Yeah. Sorry about so, that. So I was heading. I headed west. Yeah, I, I forgot something at home. And then I headed out through, like, you know, Phoenix and Santa Fe and all that down to to uh, Orlando, Miami. Oh, wow. And then went all the way up to Boston, I think is high, then Seattle. Good gosh. And then we came back. And so um, then I think we did Seattle and then came back to do Denver. And that's when I did the recording of it for HDNet. Oh, wow. Which was the, the show, which was at that point about 50 minutes. Yeah. So anyone who saw that saw my act that had gotten like refined after doing it every single night, sometimes twice Yeah. for like, you know, because it was about 91 days. So oh, my gosh. That's great. It was great. But but at the end, I'll still go and watch my stand-up and think – I went out again right after that, but I'll still watch it and be like embarrassed. Yeah. Like I could have done better. Do you go and watch your old stuff? Yeah, it's funny. I was – um I was editing. I, I I I had a set that was recorded a year and a half ago, and I felt pretty good about it. Uh-huh. And I was I was editing this other one for this new EP that I put up, the one from December and um and eighteen. And I was listening to it, and I was like, I really like this. I want to go back and see if I have any usable tracks from that last one. In okay. And I went back and I listened to it. And I'm like, this just isn't. I mean, it's not that I. I mean, I didn't bomb at all. Right. Like, I mean, you hear the crowd; they're into it. But I was like, this isn't that good. Yeah. It's not that good. It's not good enough. It's just not where you are at that point. Yeah. I was giving somebody call me because they wanted to do like a a TV show and they wanted to like make a, make something as a sizzle and sell mm-hmm. it and all that kind of stuff. And it was their first one. Yep. And I said, I'll, just so you know, like, you know, because they were all worried about the deal and the person that was going to come in and help them wanted 51%, da-da-da-da-da. And I go, yeah. just like, look, just – First of all, that fifty-one forty—that's kind of weird. If you're going to be partners, be partners. But I was like, just go make it. Right. You're still young. Just go make it. Make it as your mistake, whatever. Yeah. Like I'll go. Like the whole point is, you'll go through this whole process, and you'll be so much smarter for it. Then go through it again, and then go through it again. Like I made so many different pilots and stuff mm-hmm. before. Yeah. I made three sheets. By the time I hit three sheets, I knew, I knew how to sort of like do my thing. But if I go back and watch one of those earlier ones. I'm just like I'm, I'm in I'm in a room by myself watching it on a VHS tape that no one has ever seen and I'm I'm embarrassed. But but okay, so what is it that that embar- Why isn't it good? Why isn't it as good? Why, what's missing from it? It's just it's knowing what's really funny, like like you know what I mean, and 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 the timing and and so just, craft. Is it too clever? Were you taking shortcuts or something like that? No, I would never take a. I'm never taking shortcuts. I just. 
I think at that point, so when I started doing uh, my like putting shooting stuff and and sending out to agents and yep. stuff like that, I was 23 years old. Right. I thought I had a pretty. I, I've been watching comedy for 23 years. Sure. I think I have a pretty good idea of what's funny. Yeah. And then you go and make it. And I remember one time I had like I invite I had like a a bar that said they would show it, and I invited mm-hmm. everybody and agents and da da da. I put it on the screen, and everyone's watching it. And I remember just like them watching it, and I had like screened it for like friends and stuff right. like that. And now it's in this big group, and they're watching it. But they're not they're not laughing at oh, the stuff no. that I, that's funny and that no. now I'll go back and be like yeah that's that wasn't it just wasn't funny it just wasn't and and I, I would edit it my I edited it myself and the timing just wasn't right and I, I I just wonder how you know surely every comic goes through this but you know I, I I you can't think that Bill Burr goes back and listens to the album he did two albums or three albums ago and goes this sucks no 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 but and, but if he goes back to the one he did ten ago yeah, well, goes back maybe. fifteen years but you can't I, I think I, I wonder what the metric is because so I wrote this book three years ago um, called you should totally get an MBA mm-hmm. and it's a it was a maybe a, by the way I, I I haven't read it but I know that book is it said with sarcasm. Because no, it's talking. not. I was. I mean, it's basically a, a far too. I should have written a book called "Get Off Your Ass." Okay. Because it was it was a, a letter to my twenty five year old self saying, you know, go do something. Like when you go to work, kind of what we were talking about um, before, where my the thing I learned about work after college was you got to get up and create value for somebody else. Right. Nobody owes you a goddamn thing, right? right? So, uh, but I said, you know, I, I wanted to write a book about business and make it funny. And what I, what I saw coming out on the page was a book about business school it was like a guide to business school. And I was like, okay, well, let me see what I can make of this. Oh, it was, and it was serious. It was serious. It's like, Hey, you know what? If you want to be in business and you want to go make it happen, and business school was great for me, and that's where I actually told jokes for the first time and got bit by the comedy bug. Not that I would wish that on other people, but I wrote it, and you know, I reread it a couple of months ago, and there was this weird thing where I could acknowledge that my writing has gotten a lot better since I wrote this thing. Mm-hmm. That it was a little basic, that it was a little, and that the concept for the book is just teeny tiny with a narrow, narrow audience. But I read it and I, I was like, this doesn't suck. It's like I laughed out loud at the right pl- – at the places I th- – I, like, yeah. I was still proud of it. But the comedy, you know, this thing that was only a year and a half old, I was like, gosh, that's not good enough. You know, and I'm not saying like I wouldn't want, I wouldn't write another book like okay. the one I wrote but, three but, years ago. But here, here's how that whole thing breaks down to me. Yeah. Is that you wrote a book about going to business school yeah. after you had worked in the field, gone through business school and worked in business. Yes. So you had years of experience. Mm-hmm. Then you went out and did your comedy. Mm-hmm. You hadn't, you didn't have your master's in comedy. You know what <laughs> I mean? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't work at the comedy store. Right. You're just like now, like yeah. this is your... This is like your real voice, and you had to figure out how that internal comedy, yeah. or the or the guy who's funny and at, at events or standing up and at you know in, yes. in business school can now how turn these one or two. That's the problem. Is like you can have a funny joke or two mm-hmm. funny jokes, but now how do you string those together? Right, and 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 then tie the whole thing up at the end. I just, I, I my hope is that uh, when I look back at the the recordings that I just put out you know, in two years, I might look back and go, you know what? The craft could be better. 
The writing could be better. I could have more tags here. I could be more sincere. I could be more vulnerable, but that doesn't suck. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that, that I'm, that it was, it was a sincere effort at the best I could do at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to look back and say, I can see how much better I've gotten. It's hard to look forward and to think, I know I'm going to continue to improve. I know I'm going to continue to get better and like better and better and better. But you have the, the work ethic. And the wherewithal to have taken your business self yeah. to the the highest level. Yeah, getting and, there. Well, through business, I mean, like yeah. to go through, to get into to uh, uh, the Green D. Yeah. And then, is that right? It's Green D. <laughs> Thanks. And then, uh, is it, is, is Dartmouth the Green the D? Big, I think it's the big green. They don't, the Green D sounds a little creepy. <laughs> the, it's like, the big, <laughs> somebody needs to go see a big green doctor. <laughs> Uh, is it big green? My because I my fr- green, my yeah. my friend's brother went there. and I thought that he got the green D as his license plate. So I always thought that that was yeah. There's I mean there is a green D. There is they, green. They, they don't call D. it like you yeah. I like, got it. <laughs> so anyway, so so you were able to get from from you know your regular yeah, stuff, your yeah. job through that to to Facebook, being the head of sales for West Coast. Yeah. So now you're just in in comedy. You're just that that's I, I have every confidence that you will be able to see yourself and continue to do. Well, I, no, I appreciate and, that. I'm, and by the way, you're, I, I've listened to your comedy. Your comedy is hilarious. So oh, I, thanks, I, I don't want to like, you know, no, I just I, I think it's just the interesting and, and I'm talking about for, you know, the way that creators look back and, you know, there's some stuff that I've done, you know, that I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to crawl under a rock. I, I thank God that wasn't recorded. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, like but, I, have, I have some of that stuff on tape. Yeah. Of me. yeah. <laughs> Not online, I hope. But, no, you know, well, no, there is one. Right. <laughs> you know, but so, so I just think that's an interesting process of looking back and either hating or not hating what you've put out in the past. You mm-hmm. know, and like, what are the factors that go into that? Like, if you give it everything you have. Are you, if, you know, what are the things you can do to make sure you're giving it your very best effort at every stage in your career? And that's applicable probably to the corporate world as much as it is in, in you know, the, the creative world. You just don't have videotapes of your old sales pitches from, you know, 2002. You know, it's also the fact that I, I remember when, you know, I was 23 Thinking that I I knew everything, I didn't sure. know everything, but I I thought I was I thought I was pretty sharp. You know what I mean? I was pretty <laughs> yeah. smart. I, I had my yeah. my shit together. And getting to this age now, it's like the more experiences I have, the less I realize that I knew. Yeah. So get, getting through that point, I, I'm excited to see your comedy evolve, just yeah. because that's what it naturally does, right? Yeah. If, you, if you keep working at it, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and you're uh, and so people can go to your website. Correct, it's just your name, Paul Ollinger. Paul Ollinger, two L's. Two L's. And you have your uh, your comedy dates up there, and you're working very regularly around the country. Trying to. Um, how often do you go up in Atlanta? Do you have like a home? I do. I, I work out of the La- Laughing Skull Lounge in okay. Atlanta, Georgia, and it's a great little comedy club that has the Laughing Skull is right next to the Green D. I think <laughs> that's right. It's yeah. The, uh... Yeah, the laughing skull. The laughing skull is kind of uh, scary. great. It's right next to the Vortex restaurant in Midtown Atlanta, Seventh and Peach Street, and they've they've got a killer little club. Great, great comedy scene in Atlanta. Several good clubs and lots of bar shows, and and it's a great place to get better. You know, before you try to push into L.A. and New York, I go up. I don't know, 180 times a year, and probably two thirds of those are in Atlanta. But I'm getting getting more networked in up in New York. And, you know, I, I headlined Caroline's on Broadway in oh, nice. March and I'm going to close the show at the West side comedy club next week. Um, 
Yeah. So it's been, it's, that's really gratifying when you get to go to New York and people say, Hey, you know, you're good enough to work at this club along with all these other more established New York comics. That feels really good. And your podcast has some really great, interesting, smart people. And it's nice to hear. I don't say I don't usually have those besides you. <laughs> I just usually have. Yeah, yeah. Someone that was someone that was in something. Um, but the but like it's have some, we just have some really great, smart conversations. And like I said to you before, like it, like I when I have a, my next long drive, I'm yeah. going to put on your podcast because it was just I like the way that it's done. Thank you so. very much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for for coming here. And uh, I can't wait to uh, Wait, how am I going to end this thing? What, how do we end this? How do we Don't end hang this? up. Don't hang Don't up. Hang oh, up. Oh, wait, how do I end this? You hang up. No, uh, you, you no, hang no up. you hang up. I love you more. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Ollinger. Thank you very much. We'll be back in a moment with more Zane's World. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors who bring our podcast to you free every week, specifically True Car. Please support them because they support us. Find out more about our sponsors in the podcast description of this week's episode. It's his world. We're all just living in it. It's time for Zane's world. You know, I'm really impressed with with Paul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a lot of celebrities on here. And at some point, you strip all that celebrity stuff away. Mm -hmm. And people have really cool stories. Um, Like, you know, Ian Ziering and Mm -hmm. Eric Roberts and some of the the bigger people we've had on the show. But um, to to just talk with Paul, Mm -hmm. his story is just so interesting it's crazy but also a little bit sad but yeah. also like shows what a good person he is i agree i agree he's just a good dude yeah and he's a smart so guy. smart yeah and his podcast is fantastic so make sure you check out paul's podcast called crazy money which he interviews entrepreneurs celebrities authors and it's uh it's just really cool i like i like his style speaking of style mel yo two things one Here. we just got back into town last night yeah. Uh, from Denver. I am out. And we didn't shower. We Is that what sh- we're talking about? <laughs> well, hold on oh. a second. And, and then I am going to uh, take off to New York in the morning. Yeah. You going to miss me? Nope. Okay. Uh, and so I didn't realize that I wouldn't be here to do to record next week because I'll be in New either. York. And so it's now late at night and I leave early in the morning. And the deal was is that you that you. Oh, I would get out of bed. And record with you. Yes. If for one minute on each foot, yeah. you rub my feet. Yeah. So one minute foot massage on each side. Yeah. And I was just in the shower, so it's not like I have dirty feet. No, no. Yeah, that's fine. But here's the thing. Like, like you, you knew I needed to do this, and I can't just sit here and talk to by myself. So you, why didn't you ask for 10 minutes on each side? Because I'm fair. Well, I would, have, I would have pushed it a little bit. Oh, I'm fair. <laughs> I didn't want you to be like, why? well, you know, I need you to be supportive in the things that I do. And if this is just a game to you, then just never mind. Oh, so shit. I was being very supportive okay. and fair. So let's talk about why your feet are sore. Oh my gosh, it hurts so bad. From the hikes? No, I just age. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like You're a, like, no, not the hike. Look at them. <laughs> no, I think, you know, like you get to, I think, I don't know, everybody, if you haven't gotten there, you will get to an age where you can't walk around barefoot 
anymore. Like it, yeah. on the wood floors. Right. You had to wear like slippers. Yeah. Flip-flops. yeah. And I always thought that was the weirdest thing when people told me that. And I thought I would never happen to me. But we saw a kid happened. coming down the trail, Royal Arch. And he was maybe what, like eight? And he was every stair he got to to jump down like 20 inches, he would jump and land like. Hard. Oh yeah, and you and just, just cringe. And I was oh, just like, my, "Oh my god, my knees, my my, spine, my back, everything yeah, would just sort of like, buckle up." It was like, "Ugh, the compression, it's so bad." So we went to, um, we had one day where we took off and went to um, Rocky Mountain National Park. Yeah, and uh, that was probably about from Boulder, I think, maybe about forty minutes. Yeah, forty-five minutes. Um, and got into the park and went to do um, what was it called? It was Mill Lake. Yeah, yeah. The name of the falls. Alberta Falls. Alberta Falls, yeah. Yeah. A really great hike. Probably about 2,000 feet elevation. I would say if anyone has ever done the Mist Trail at Yosemite, first of all, if you go to Yosemite, you have to do the Mist Trail. And don't just stop at the top of Vernal. Go all the way up to Nevada Mm -hmm. because that's where we saw a bobcat. And then take the John Muir Trail down, which is is more gradual. Mm -hmm. I think this hike was very comparable. I think it was one of the most popular hikes in the park. Mm-hmm. You drop every, everybody drops off after they hit the falls. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So if you get to the falls, I think the falls are just about a mile. Yeah, it's short. It's pretty easy. And it's, and, it, and it's like, and it's it. like, yeah. it's not technical. It's just like a path, uh, a wide path. And then you go up to Alberta Falls, which is great. It's not Nevada Falls. It's not Vernal Falls, like mm-hmm. in Yosemite. And then you continue to hike up to Mill Lake. Yep. Which I forgot what the elevation is, but it's something something around seven Some, or eight thousand something snow elevation. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that's what? right. You almost ate shit in snow. I did. I have a video of you almost eating shit. Of in me snow? eating shit. Now, do we have to clarify the- that we're using that as an expression? <laughs> like you didn't actually pull over to eat shit. Like you, we, like we, we you're high, you're, weird porn videos. Yeah. Two, two, one couple, one cup, eat shit in a snow, snowbag. Um, so yeah, we we um, you know, you're hiking up the whole time, but it's pretty gradual. Yeah. Um, and you find yourself above like the snow line. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're like in the shade, and some parts of the path were like covered under a few feet of snow. Yeah. And Mel had on the. By the way, the dumbest hiking shoes. Why I know you bring because those? I because I had to make a decision between with all the sh- the walk. I can only bring one pair of shoes because we carried on exactly. Okay, because I carried on, and so they had to be comfortable for everything we were doing. Okay. Most of which is walking around on a hard, hard floor. Yeah. So I had to go by that, and I didn't really. Yeah, those things know. had zero tread. No, they were terrible. So you, which are six months off of uh, back surgery <laughs> fusion, uh, yeah. slipped and fell on your butt in the snow. Yeah, but it wasn't far. And it was my own fault because I was like trying fault, was, yeah. to walk with a video. <laughs> oh, you were recording at the same time. Yeah. Oh, is that why you have a video of yes. it? Because you have- <laughs> you'll see me like I'm like I'll show you. Oh, that's right. Because I did say, why don't you focus and put your stupid phone down? Yeah. So then, once you get up to the top uh, at Mill Lake, um, at the fall, I would say there's probably forty or fifty people milling about, coming up, stopping, and going back. Yeah. Went up to the to further. There were more people. By the time we got to Mill Lake. There were just two groups of people. There was us and two guys, two guys, and this other family of, th- of three people, and the whole entire lake, this this alpine lake, which is just uh, pristine and amazing. And then when we left the park, we went a little bit further away to the top entrance to go through Estes Park. If you've gone, you understand. There we saw deer, elk, baby elk, like nursing. Cute. And then I promise you that moose didn't live on that side of the park because they needed it more marshy. 
And you're looking, you're looking through your phone to find the video. I am. And we found a moose. This was honestly your opportunity to tell me that you're, but you're busy looking for your photo. But was my opportunity to do what? To tell me that you, that I was wrong and you didn't have it. Did you find the video? Yeah. yeah. Oh, play it. Let's hear the audio of it. Oh, honey, did you make like a little chirp? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was videoing you walking in the snow. Oh, my God. Look, there it is. And then you eat shit, right? Oh, oh my God. That's sad when you make that little noise. Sorry. Well, you were fine. So that was a really good trip to Boulder. Like I said, I'm off to New York and then I'm back. And then we have, dude, before you know it, we're going to be off to New Orleans for Tales of the Cocktail. No, I'm not going. What are you saying that for? Because I'm not mentally ready. You'll you'll be I'm not ready. bodily ready either. <laughs> Bottle, bodily, bodily yeah. ready. Yeah, I'm supposed to be like having a cocktail every night until I go. Oh, just to sort of prime your li- liver. Just to, like be ready. Is, do you think that's a thing? Yeah. Really? I do. All right, let's start. All right, we're gonna wrap up. Have a drink. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure you check out Paul's podcast, Crazy Money. Thank you very much to our producer, Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Zane's World. Check out new episodes every Wednesday exclusively at Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to tell your friends and don't forget to leave us a rating and review. It was a crime no one expected and one many can't forget. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare, a new podcast from WTOP News and Podcast One, details the heinous murders of a D.C. power couple, their 10-year-old son, and housekeeper inside their own home, the chilling messages from the victims being held hostage, Hey, Nelly, it's Baba. the complicated trail of evidence and shocking moments from the trial. She thinks she knows how Darren Wink got inside the house. His defense team drops a bombshell. Will this investigation lead to the release of confidential audio recordings from the case? So it's under general counsel review. I mean, I'm committing to making a transparent court. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts today. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it.